welcome to Clear Horror High. Hosted by Chris Vecchio and Nikki Jack. Welcome back to Queer Horror High, where we're queer, we love horror, and we're really fucking high. I'm Chris, and I'm a queer Gemini demon. And I'm Nikki, I'm here to put the horror in horror. And today we are talking about another movie for Women's History Month, and it is Rose Glasses St. Maud from 2019. For all you holy whores out there. <laughs> yes, and this movie is incredible Mm -hmm. it's so good if you haven't seen it it's currently available on hulu i was gonna say um i remember when i first saw this movie and i immediately had to like run and tell somebody obviously i told you about it and i just like Mm -hmm. fangirled because none of my other friends had seen this movie yet and nobody likes to watch first releases quite like us when it comes to horror movies (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i knew you'd seen it already and i was just like oh my god this is incredible this is incredible yeah, it really is good. So, how you doing? What is the high tea? I'm good. Um, you know, still high and tired. <laughs> I need like a <laughs> a real day off. You know, mm-hmm. it's been a while since I had one of those. It's actually been quite some months. But um, yeah, I'm smoking on uh shit i don't know again fuck i don't know i'm smoking some weed and again still eating my weed mostly so what about you i'm smoking on some grape ape nice sticking with the the purple purpley indicas yeah i just really like those they're sweet but they're also a little stinky and they just look pretty cool and they're really relaxing i love that yeah just just eating my weed mm-hmm yeah, and my life is the same. You know, work, podcast, watch movies. That's good. We can't always be exciting, y'all. <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not exciting right now. I thought I had something interesting to say, but it, it just went it went poof. Story of my life. Mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. think I have interesting things to say until I realize I don't have anything to say at all. <laughs> The older I get, the less I have to say, though mm-hmm. I also simultaneously have this show. So is that true? Um, I don't know. I save all my thoughts for this show. So I just I, yeah. move, I move in silence until it's time to record. <laughs> I will say I did see the remake of West Side Story and I was not a fan. Oh, is that out? Yeah, it's on HBO Max. Okay, I had never liked the original one anyway. I don't do musicals. Like, I just don't. I don't see the the joy and, ha- and like, I don't get it. I don't understand as having just, like, a regular-ass conversation and then bursting out into song and dance out of nowhere. That's I know. so yeah, fucking... I mean, you have to give yourself up to that to accept musicals as a concept. So, I get it. It's not for everybody. I don't love most musicals either i've just never been a like hardcore theater kid and it's weird because i have a lot of friends who are like i have a lot i roast them every chance i get because i just think it's so silly but i get it you know what i mean same and same (laughs) yeah i mean hello (laughs) you get it if anybody else does you know but um theater kids have always just been like a different kind of dramatic to me 
I don't think they realize that they're like being unintentionally funny about certain things, you know? Melodramatic. Yeah, yeah. shout out to you dramatic ass theater kids. Y'all doing a damn thing. Carrying this whole musical genre. All right. So yeah, let's just get into St. Maud. For some reason, when I, I hear St. Maud, I just think of the TV show Maud. That's like, all and I then think there's of. Maud. Yeah. <laughs> just uh-huh. imagine B. Arthur being like, hi, I'm Maud. Was Maud a part of the Mary Tyler Moore wrote a whole like Bob Newhart show train? I don't think so. That was Phyllis <laughs> with Cloris Leachman. Okay. Maud was her own thing? Maud was connected to like Good Times or something. I thought Maud was connected because I know Good Times is connected to Golden Girls. Maud is definitely connected to, I believe, like a black family sitcom. Okay. I don't remember. I'm, I'm Googling. Maud good is times. part of a universe. It's Good Times, yeah. Okay, yeah. On the family, Good Times. Yeah, a slightly different sitcom universe. Oh, then that means the Jeffersons is in that universe too then. Oh yeah, because the Jeffersons and the and All in the Family had a crossover. Mm-hmm, because they were in the same world. Because Archie and George. Don't nobody give mm-hmm. a fuck about this TV Landa's conversation. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All of our 40 plus or 50 plus listeners are like, yeah, this is what yeah. I, now I know what they're talking about. They're probably screaming mm-hmm. at us, not getting the references right. Sorry, y'all. And then there's St. Maude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, back to this movie. Lady Godiva was a freedom rider. <laughs> We're not going down that road. Okay. Uh, we are some old biddies. <laughs> so the IMDb description for St. Maud is a pious nurse becomes dangerously obsessed with saving the soul of her dying patient. Mm-hmm. That is an understatement. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it stars Morphid Clark. I am probably not saying that name right at all as it is Welsh. But... um. She is so good in this fucking movie as Maude. She is. Very convincing. Yeah, it's an incredible performance. And Jennifer L. as Amanda, the patient, is also incredible. My kind of girl, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I'm very much of an Amanda. I was once upon a time maybe a fucking Maude, but I'm definitely fully in my Amanda era right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, Amanda's great. So... The movie opens up with Maud sitting on the floor covered in blood. There's like a dead body on an operating table in like the adjoining room. And she just like looks Mm -hmm. up at the ceiling and she sees a beetle. And that seems insignificant, but it is not. (laughs) And we will find out what that beetle means to her. Because I was like, oh, they got roaches? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) They dirty over there. This hospital was not clean. So we get like the cool red, like hipstery bold font that says St. Maud that just pops up. And we get like bubbling blood under the credits, which is kind of fun. I feel like, is it supposed to be her soup? I don't, I don't know. But it looks like blood. It's cool. Yeah. It made me think, is something bubbling beneath her, (laughs) within her? (laughs) I see stuff everywhere when I'm stoned. So I was seeing it there. So she has eaten some soup. In this sad-ass apartment. Terribly it is sad. drab. It's so moldy-looking. Yeah, it's just like, a, it looks like a dirty closet with a bed, or like a bed in it, you know what I mean? It's just, like, sad and small, and it looked like it's stinking there a little bit. Like, <laughs> like I know that mold mm-hmm. is beating her ass. Like, Yeah, she's going to need a lung transplant. Like, she, she is down bad, horrendous in this apartment. Mm-hmm. 
And you know, before she eats this sad looking soup, she does a sign of the cross. So we know she's that girl. And she starts to talk to God about her new post and how God has saved her for a purpose. Now we're automatically thinking like, what happened to her? Yeah. Saved from what? Like clearly it had something to do with that dead ass body in the hospital room. Yeah. Cause I'm like, is this, is this like a case of survivors or more? Or like, Mm. I wasn't sure. Yeah. She also tells God that she has stomach pain made worse by her period. I'm like, Mm. okay, okay, God, I wonder what God's answer to that is. But (laughs) (laughs) so as she's saying this, she shows up to a mansion in like some seaside town that looks like it would just be covered in carnies. (laughs) There's there's like, you know, a boardwalk with an arcade along it. You just know everyone around there is like, hello, hello, hello. Mm -hmm. Cockney everywhere. Yeah, that's just what that's just what it looks like. Mm -hmm. So she is at this mansion, this big ass like townhouse to be a hospice nurse. And the nurse that she's replacing tells her that um, the her patient is a bit of a cunt. Yeah, she does say that. And I was like, oh, shit. okay, dropping C words early. Here we go. Is that the first time that word has been said on this podcast even? It I don't know. Maybe it is. Be. I don't know. I have to re-listen to the Love Witch episode. I might have dropped it a few times. Or when I was, I don't know, maybe when I was, nope, I don't think I, because I was like, maybe in the, um, I know what you did last summer, because I was dragging Jennifer Love Hewitt a lot, and, that, <laughs> and I might have dropped it on that her. That's true. Stupid cut! That's true. You know, but I really don't <laughs> feel like it's come out of my mouth, so who knows? That's what is used to describe Amanda, who we meet but after Maud gets to her room and redecorates it with a crucifix, because of course she does. Oh God, Christ everywhere. Jesus Christ. She is just living for Jesus. So we meet Amanda, who is 49 and has stage four lymphoma of the spinal cord. Mm-hmm. And you could just tell right off the bat that she is like a witty bitty. She has a sharp tongue. You could just see it on her face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That this woman can and will read you for filth. Yeah, I, I heavily identify with Amanda because she was just like this old bitch who once upon a time had a bomb ass life. She's a former dancer. Like she used to get it popping, you know, and now, you know, illness has struck her life. And now she, all she's got is her fucking words that are fucking painful. <laughs> she's just mean. And it's not really mean. It's just she's not about the bullshit no more. You know what I mean? She's the true definition of people being blunt and yeah getting right to the point you know getting right to the point in conversation like skip the bullshit this is how it is and this is how i feel you know yeah like you know a woman in a fashion turban who is older presenting than you know she is she is gonna slay you with her Uh words Uh uh-huh there's just no way around it Mm -hmm. also props to maude for this though her first meal she cooks for amanda is spaghetti bolognese with garlic bread i'm like oh her white British ass, though, you know that there was not enough salt. She did not salt that pasta water. You know that she did not grind up the mirepoix. Like, you know that there's probably not even wine in there. No. Nope. Like, I know that this bowl in Ye's is just tomato sauce with fucking ground beef cooked to shit. And maybe, like, bits it. of bacon in there. <laughs> maybe. Like, you know it's disgusting. But you know what? I'm glad she tried. <laughs> I also just love how Amanda is smoking throughout this whole day. She is just checked out. She's like, I'm dying. Who fucking cares? Like, right. she is Facts, girl. pessimistic, nihilistic. I feel it. She's ready. Yeah, and I feel it. <laughs> Born ready, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Take me to the king. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Maude is helping Amanda stretch in the morning and Amanda notices Maude's like, I don't know, gold necklace dangling and asks her who it is. And so we find out that she has Mary Magdalene and Amanda's like, I didn't know they made necklaces of her. And I'm like, are we implying that the whores don't get a gold cross? Made yeah, because I honor? was like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? Like, she was still in the book, right? Like, she was. Yeah. Jesus was obsessed with her. If she was good enough for Jesus, she's good enough for fucking crazy Maud, I think. You judgmental bitch. <laughs> I don't see Jesus claiming you, ho. <laughs> <laughs> but then Amanda also said, you're prettier than the last one. And. We're like, bitch, are Lesbian you gay? vibes, yeah. <laughs> number one. This the bitch first gay. instance. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so Maud's peeping around, you know, as she tends to do, and notices that Amanda has also, like, written books and has choreographed shows and, like, has all of her pictures around, but they're all, like, off the wall and covered up. So I feel like Amanda is rejecting her life. Like, she's just, I don't know, maybe not rejecting it, but... She doesn't want to be reminded of what she was once capable of doing. Well, that's the thing. She doesn't want um, to see it. Because, God, this is also why I relate to Amanda. Because it's like, I, I don't want memories of my former life because I'll never get to that again. Especially now that I'm in, like, really the end stages of my own life. And, like, that's mad relatable. Because what the fuck am I going to go back for if I can't? move forward with this stuff <laughs> so mm. I, f- I feel because it's like i want to say it's bitterness but it's also just like a cold acceptance of like what is no longer she doesn't want to get hope from that stuff yeah she knows that it really is hopeless like she it's stage four she's terminal yeah caught up in the nostalgia and just caught up in like mm-hmm. what once was you can depress yourself further with that yeah seems like she just wants to live in the present for as long as that might be and, and just die like, <laughs> yeah she just wants to go get it but, over with yeah yeah she seems a little afraid too mm-hmm. so amanda starts to get ready she puts on her wig and a guest arrives who just seems like some sassy metrosexual <laughs> <laughs> and maude leaves and goes to like a seaside arcade and she gives a homeless man money but she also like peddles some jesus bullshit on him if you're going to help people with the, out of the kindness of your fucking heart, just do it and shut the fuck up. Don't be trying to tell them and direct them as to what they need to do with their lives. Like, no, no. Get over your little fucking savior complex. And that's all this movie is about. It's just like mm-hmm. an assumed saviorship. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's even like looking around at the town, like at the arcade, I guess the homeless guy. And she's like, I wonder how Amanda wound up in a dump like this. So right. she's like judging We've already seen what she was living in. She was living in squalor. That's what and I'm she's saying. acting like this town is so nasty. I feel like that's where the saying comes from. Like, sweep up your own yard before you come and try to check mine. You know, like, bitch, look at your dirty ass house. Like, you have to heat up all your meals with a microwave. You judging this bitch. It makes me wonder what happened in Maud's life before even the opening scene like what right. propelled her even to that because right. she was i think deranged before the incident we find out later like this has triggered it like further you know mm-hmm. but mod is called back and she goes to the house and amanda and that fucking guy are kind of fighting and he's telling amanda that she's gone like full on norma desmond and basically calling her like a shut-in and she mm-hmm. needs to be around more people and Amanda is drunk. She's emotional. She throws up. 
And he leaves, and Amanda tells Maude, like, yeah, he just tried to fuck me back in the day. And he's <laughs> Which and, is probably and true. And she makes fun of her hair plugs. But also, <laughs> Maude says that she didn't notice the hair plugs. And then Amanda's like, no one sees what they don't want to. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she's talking about not just Maude missing the hair plugs, but also that guy missing the fact that Amanda was gay. Yeah. Like, he didn't want to see that she was a lesbian. Like, I feel like there's layers there. And also, maybe Maude right now isn't seeing that Amanda's a lesbian. Right, and that she's not, like, really trying to do this Jesus freak shit that she is, you know? Yeah. Because that's the thing. She's not being receptive. A lot of Christians and Catholics and stuff, like... When they're shoving the Jesus shit down your throat, they're really trying to be like, no, everybody can be saved. Everyone can be convinced. Like, everyone can sip the same Kool-Aid I'm sipping, you know? Mm -hmm. It's really forceful. Yeah. But then, like, Amanda kind of softens up, and she asks Maude to stay by her side because she doesn't want to be alone. And they kind of, like, talk about Maude's past at the hospital and that she's seen a lot of death and, you know, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And... Maud just basically lies and says she just needed a change and that she was spread too thin and that it's what God wanted. And I'm like, like I guess bullshit. that's not a lie because she does believe that somehow that this is God's plan. Yeah, like God's using her in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, mm, not that special. <laughs> Listen, white girl with a Jesus complex. Yeah, like there's definitely like a level of egomania to her because why do you think you're so special that God's investing in even if, if God was real, in, in the way you're saying, why you of all people is he investing this time into? For what? I'm glad that's the word you used because that's definitely the word I was looking for in all of this. Is like, yeah, she is an egomaniac, dude. Like, she, this is like her wanting to help Amanda eventually is just centered around her, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Amanda susses out of her that it's like a recent conversion too, which Amanda's like, Oh, you're one of those. Yeah, like, you're newbie. You're a born-again. You're going to be really intense. It's like a baby snake when it, like, bites. It doesn't know to not shoot all the venom in. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. It's just so excited to be murderous. I feel like that applies to <laughs> That's such a cute analogy, though. Because they are so, like, hyped to be mean. And then it's like, oh, no, save some for later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... This is where it gets, like, creepy. Like, this is past normal born-again shit, because Maude is like, God talks to me sometimes. And basically that he's, like, physically in and around her, and that, like, a shiver or a pulsing will come when something good happens. And it's like, Mama is deranged. As fuck. She really thinks she is so special. I'm like, something happened in that hospital room, and you think that you were chosen for, like, a good purpose after that? We don't even know what it is yet, and we know that it's not something that you need to be, like, looking at as a moment of pride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Amanda is just, like, worrying about her last moments, and it just seems like she wants Maude to tell her that there's not nothing after life, even though she's, like, an atheist. And I feel like this is where it clicks in Maude's head that my duty is to save this atheist soul. Yeah, this is where she, like, discovers her, like, calling, and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. girl, this is a bit of a reach, but whatever. Yeah, and Amanda says this kind of mockingly, but Maud just does not see through it. She's like, my little savior. And I'm like, she is being condescending to you. As fuck! It's like a little sweet, but also, like, she does not believe in this shit. And Maud is just like, oh, I have found it. (laughs) 
You're like, oh, oh, Maud. Oh, you're buying into it. You're smelling your own farts like on South Park. Oh, my God. Oh, yes, she is. She is smug as hell. She really is smiling her own farts. Mm-hmm. Her little, her little God farts. Ew. <laughs> her sky daddy gas. <laughs> yes. So Maud leaves Amanda's room and goes upstairs. And as she's like going up the stairs, she's clearly starting to like tingle and feel something. And you're like, uh-oh. This is her version of God talking to her. He is affirming that her purpose is to save this poor atheist lesbian. And she's almost having an orgasm. She like falls to the floor and kind of starts rubbing herself. And you're like, oh, she is contorting a little bit. Yeah. When I first watched this movie, this was one of those scenes. I was like, wait, what? It's like, like, I know God's in her, but is he in her? Does God need to do a paternity test later? (laughs) Right. It's very weird. Yeah. Then she drops little pebbles in front of like her makeshift altar that she basically just (laughs) made on top of her dresser. (laughs) And she kneels on them to pray and thank God for blessing her with this mission. Yeah, it's like people like kneeling on rice. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I have. But I don't remember. Is that like to punish yourself, I guess? Yeah, because it hurts. Mm hmm. Yeah, she basically talks to the altar about saving Amanda's soul. We see her throwing away Amanda's booze. I'm like, how dare you? Amanda is dying. Like, let people have things. Let her drink. Yeah, let people have things, especially when they're about to die, dude. Let them enjoy them. Yeah. I think Maude, in a way, is also saving herself through saving Amanda. Because as we find out later, Maude's... Maude's... <laughs> Why is she, she's Maud's now? Maud <laughs> um, was a party girl, and I feel like she's throwing away the booze. Maybe not oh. even just for yeah, yeah. Is she throwing away the booze because of Amanda, or is she really throwing it away because of her her past? And she's trying to like rid herself of her own sins by now saving Amanda. Yeah, that and makes sense. It's like get your own life. Is helicopter mom an appropriate word? No, it's tiger mom that you're not allowed to say. She's helicopter nurse. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, she's like attached herself to all these things. Of me. And it's like, bitch, you're only supposed to be like in one aspect of my life. And that's just like caring for me for my day to day chores and shit. Like you are way too involved in like my personal business as my caretaker. Yeah, it's like obsessive right away. Like there's no boundaries. Yeah, she inserts herself immediately. You need to insert something into yourself immediately. daily girl daily just oh god i tell you you want to get close to the spirit rub one out aggressively Mm -hmm. and i swear you you see what you might think is jesus like (laughs) everything you know i love it yeah but she's throwing away the booze yeah so then like she starts doing the dishes and has like another kind of orgasm moment it's like god is now approving of her flushing Amanda's booze down the sink and taking the mission on with gusto because she is just so excited to be saving a life. It's true. But she is interrupted by the doorbell and the face she makes as like she's interrupted but was like about to like, I guess, come to completion is pretty frightening. Like Morphid Clark, if that is her name, really knows how to contort her face and her body. Yes, she does. Doing that. Yeah, she like it's a physical performance, too. And she really like does a good job. But Maude answers the door 
and we see a possible lesbian, possible friend. We're Carol? not exactly sure, but there's a hot lady named Carol. I would say she's in her 20s. She's uh-huh. younger than Amanda. She's this like young, hot black girl. Mm-hmm. And Maud is like, it's too late. Amanda's sleeping. And <laughs> Carol's basically like, fuck you, get out of my way. Yeah, like, duh, bitch. That's the reason why I'm here, because it's late. Mm-hmm. So as Carol goes into the room with Amanda, just completely bypassing Maud, Maud goes to wash her hands. I'm like, are you just washing the lesbian off of you? Yeah, she, like, you hating ass bitch. Uh. But as she's doing that, she gets a nosebleed. And it's like, you could tell right away that the thought of homosexuality is just freaking her the hell out. Yeah, she's like enraged by like the gay. Mm-hmm. It is like setting her personal church on fire. Like she's fucking livid. Yeah, because the next morning, Maud watches Carol leave. Oh, yeah, in the she's kitchen. counting money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like in the kitchen and she's watching Carol count money. So she's like, oh, no, not only is Amanda a lesbian, but she's hiring prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Like the Christian in her is just seething. Overwhelmed with, with, yeah, overwhelmed with too many circumstances. Like her soul needs saving today. <laughs> And before breakfast, Amanda joins Maud in prayer. But you could tell that she's kind of like mocking her. Again. She's like holding back laughter the whole time. Yeah, she's like praying sarcastically. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I don't know. It's funny to me. Because, girl, <laughs> it's just silly. It's just silly. And again, like, I just think about my own you know, journey through faith and navigating that whole thing. And Mm -hmm. me just kind of like always whenever I was like forced to go to church and stuff growing up, just looking around at everybody, hearing their prayers and shit and just thinking, this sounds so silly. And then me always like, you know, when it was time for me to pray, me paying for like practical things, like everyone wants fucking their soul to be saved. And like, maybe I want a PlayStation too. Maybe I want a fucking, Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe I Mm -hmm. want, I don't know, new fucking Adidas. Maybe I want, um, I don't know, a sandwich. I'm fucking hungry. We've been in church for like three and a half hours. Like (laughs) (laughs) this, this cracker and this little bit of grape juice ain't doing shit. (laughs) Like I need Mm -hmm. sustenance. I'm a growing girl. But anyways, yeah, I'm just thinking like, again, identify with Amanda, just doing all this Christian shit, very sarcastically, very, Mm-hmm. very um just oh yeah me in religion class in like elementary school i was rolling my eyes at all this shit like this is embarrassing mm-hmm. and then when you hear people get all like jesus talk on you it just sounds like like okay i'm i love a little bit of folklore but <laughs> this is getting mm-hmm. egregious <laughs> don't try to convert me you don't see me being like listen you need to listen to what Aquaman said, because we are all truly mermaids, and when we die, we're going to Atlantis, the great city. No, that's just, let me just have fun. Mm -hmm. Let me just read Lord of the Rings, okay? So even though Amanda is, like, totally mocking Maud, and Maud doesn't realize it, Amanda also seems a little touched, though, that, like, Maud is praying for her in this way. Yeah. Because Amanda's, like, expressed that she feels lonely or alone, so I feel like even though she totally thinks Maud is being totally tricked by religion, I feel like she's slightly flattered. Yeah, because, I mean, she's dying, so it is nice to know that you're mm-hmm. not dying completely alone and there is someone who gives mm-hmm. a fuck about where you end up. Yeah, Amanda is definitely a little bitter and resentful of things, but she's also... Scared. There's still some humanity to her, and yeah, she's scared. There's sensitivity in there, and you see a lot of nuance to her character. It's not just... 
tough she's girl. She's the snarky one with all the fucking one-liners. Yeah. But here we go again. Maude's shivering. And Amanda's like, he's here. And Maude's like, basically, yeah, God's here right now. And I feel like Amanda also seems to be touched by an angel. <laughs> Is she, though? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, because she's been being so sarcastic before, it's like, wait, are you, are you feeding into the shit you're saying too now? Or like, you know, I just didn't know where, where she was really laying with this, you know? Like Amanda could be just desperately trying to find a little bit of meaning in her last moments. Cause you know, that's what a lot of people say. Um, old people who find God at the last minute be doing like, you know, reading mm-hmm. the Bible, which is short for basic instructions before leaving earth. Like, <laughs> you know, like a lot of people like to find God at the last minute and so that they can go to heaven. And so maybe this to me was kind of maybe one of those moments too for Amanda where she's like, I think I'm going to die. So maybe it is better safe than sorry to latch on to something. Right. Yeah. And like this crazy ginger is in here. So let's, <laughs> let's capitalize on this kooky girl's uh, religious philosophies works yeah Yeah. okay full yeah there's definitely like a whole little layer of gay paranoia over this though yeah just the way at the end of this their hands graze mod seems so intent again like i said earlier i think maybe mod is trying to fix things in herself therefore if she's trying to cure amanda's homosexuality her like hedonistic lesbian ways then maybe Maud has been having urges or maybe Maud lived as a lesbian or out before we don't know mm-hmm. I like the mystery like we don't really know but like Maud is such a rich character even though we don't know a ton of her backstory that I feel like we can imagine a lot of what she might have done yeah and that's interesting to me yeah but Amanda then gives Maud like a William Blake book with a lot of religious illustrations in it and she writes to her, to Maude, my savior. And again, like, is Amanda being really sweet? Is she being condescending? Like, it could be both. Mm, that's true, yeah. The shit in this book, and or these illustrations at least, mean nothing to her. But she knows that Maude would Go get bad shit crazy them. over that, yeah. Then Carol walks in, and Maude kind of follows her to Amanda's room and peeps on them, <sighs> doing it, you know, making out, getting ready to... Bump cats? No. <laughs> Bumping cats. And in the morning, Maud goes up to Carol and tells her to leave Amanda alone. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck, bitch? Like, this is again where she's like overstepping and really like helicoptering her her every fucking move. And it like I said, it becomes less and less about saving her soul and more and more about Maud just controlling everything in this fucking house. Like but yeah, again, like, it feels like Maud is repressing her own homosexuality. Like, Carol is hot. I think that Maud is looking at Carol like, oh, shit. Uh-huh. I think that those tingles might not be God, Maud. <laughs> I think those tingles might be your inner... Your coochie. Your coochie queer. is calling. Yeah. <laughs> your coochie mm-hmm. is calling her, okay? And you don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's either her homo repression or her homophobia. I think it's both. I would do. And she was triggered by walking in on them. She was like, oh, my God, I can't have this shit around because then I'm going to be. I'm going to be gay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The gay is going to rub off on me. (laughs) Girl, Mm -hmm. it is not like ketchup. You can't just like (laughs) get it on you. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I know. She's just so 
she's just deranged. Whatever happened to this girl really fucked her head up. Like, who raised you? We know nothing about her parents. Okay, that's the point I was trying to make, but I thought I would save it for later. But I really think whatever trauma happened to Maude in the past is what's making mm-hmm. her so controlling. Because whatever happened, she obviously didn't have control over that. And now that she might be in something similar or whatever, because obviously mm-hmm. we know that something happened with the last situation, you know? And it's like... right. Mm-hmm. She's feeling out of control, and this is the only way she can control her is by what? Saving her soul. And by saving her soul, I have mm-hmm. to save who she is as a person. It's a whole thing. It's really weird. Yeah, she's like, all these lesbians and hookers got to go. <laughs> Y'all got to go. <laughs> Get your gay asses out of here. <laughs> yeah, you are not flavoring of love in your last days, Amanda. <laughs> Flavor of loving, whatever. Yeah, whatever the fuck. So... Carol actually, for a while at least, stops coming by. She does because, stay away, yeah. Yeah, because like at first she's insistent. She's like, you're crazy. Like, what is wrong with you? But Maud really pushes her. And I feel like she stays away because she's like, this bitch she is crazy. might stab me. Yeah, this bitch yeah, is crazy. Like, yeah, Carol is not stupid. But Maud needs a break. So she goes a walking. And she is noticed by some girl who calls her Katie mm-hmm. and is like running up to her. And you could tell that Maud responds to the name. Like she turns and the way that they're talking, uh, you could tell that they work together at whatever hospital Maud just previously worked at. This girl's name is Joy. And Maud winds up telling Joy that she's still a care worker. And Joy seems a little surprised by this. So we're like, okay, so. Yeah, because she's like, wait, went really? Down, yeah. Clearly, Maud did something or was involved in something that uh, didn't turn out so well. Enough for the bitch to move and change her name and shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Because she never even tells this girl that she never corrects her and says, like, I'm going by Maud now. She just. <laughs> Nothing. Let's it go. Yeah. yeah. And. Maud is clearly, like, wanting this girl to just go the fuck away. But Joy gives her her number, and they part for now. Mm-hmm. Then Amanda and Maud are playing solitaire, and they're kind of having, like, a cute moment. They're, like, laughing, but Maud calls Amanda out for cheating. And you could just tell that, like, Maud takes everything too seriously. Like, she is a control freak. Uh, yeah. Like, this woman has stage four cancer, and she's playing solitaire. That's a single person game solitaire solitary get out <laughs> if the bitch want to cheat let her cheat god damn it like no one's holding holding her accountable for shit anymore who gives a fuck she's gonna die like when people is on their deathbed they could literally do whatever they want to do at that point i can't get you to fuck up out of here life is already getting you to fuck up out of here mm-hmm. let it go and she's just like so bent on just like I don't know. This like purity complex she has. Mm-hmm. But Amanda gets a call and you could tell that Maude is like, who the oh, fuck shit. is that? Yeah. Oh shit. Who's calling? And she's like picking at her nails in an obsessive way. You're like, this girl probably does all of the things that you don't want to see people do. Like picking your nails, maybe biting your nails, you know, ripping the little cuticle skins off. Just painful. So shit. Have like a, mm-hmm. Like, all those little ticks that people who are hyper-anxious have, yeah. Yeah, hyper-anxious people who, there's, like, a little bit of self-loathing in there. So they, like, to hurt themselves because they feel like they either deserve it or it's a distraction. So, with Maude, it seems like it's probably both of those things. She clearly likes to hurt herself. And 
she goes back out there to see what was up with the phone call. And Amanda is just like completely despondent. She wants to go to bed. Maude tries to cover it up by saying like, we'll go to the theater. And Amanda's just like, no, I'm done. This night is through. And Maude decides to burn her hand on the stove on purpose. Psycho, dude. Yeah, she's just, she is a spiraling. So, and here we get, um, I guess, uh, not the climax, but the centerpiece. I was going to say, pretty Amanda's important. birthday party. <laughs> yeah, it's Amanda's birthday, and she is actually dressed up like Norma Desmond. She's got her fashion turban and her old beaded muumuu. She, she's turning a little bit of a look here. As depressed and down and over it as she was, she was really kind of like ready to celebrate her life, you know, like her birthday. Had all her friends and shit there. Like, it was a jam. But then Carol shows up in, a like, a hot-ass sequin teal gown. So good. Mm-hmm. And you can just see, like, looking at everybody at this party, that it is a bunch of queers and arty people. So Yeah, it just looks like it, a, it know, looks pretty fun. a theater kid party. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. Just, they're all... All grow, they're all growed up. Isn't uh-huh. that the Rugrats? Rugrats all growed up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, Maud like waits creepily in the shadows as they sing happy birthday to Amanda. And you're like, she is, she's scheming. Kathy Bates in misery. Mm-hmm. Whatever's going on in Maud's head is, uh, not good. Is fucked. And she overhears Amanda telling her friends, including Carol, like, I can't tell if she's a bigot or if she's just jealous. And I'm like, oh, great. That's what I was thinking the whole time. No, it's (laughs) true. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, perfect. We're on the same track. So she tells her friends that Maude went behind her back to try to get Carol to go away to save her soul. She she says mockingly, and they're kind of all like laughing at her. Making fun. Being like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm." Um, Amanda is actually like, what the fuck? Like, you can tell she's like visibly pissed. Yeah, because Maude tries to walk away, and she's like, no, 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 no. Bring it you back. come over here. Yeah, and she mm-hmm. puts her on blast, blast, like, in front of everybody. It's really, like, it made me start to cringe a little bit, honestly, because I hate that shit. I know. It's just, it's so awkward, even uh-huh. though, like, you want her to get called out, but at the same time, I'm like, uh. Yeah, even when it has nothing to do with me, seeing somebody put, get put on the spot like that and knowing they're about to get, because Amanda will tear your ass up. Chris already told you what energy she was mm-hmm. putting out there, so it was like, ooh, big yikes. <laughs> and Amanda asks Maude, am I indecent? And Maude goes, no, you're lost. And the guests just start fucking with her. They put a napkin on her head to make her look like she has, like, a nun's habit on. Oh, God. Just kind of openly humiliate her, yeah. Mm-hmm. But Amanda, I feel like, feels bad. And she tries to, like, be like, don't take it too seriously. You know, it's just me. Which is a bullshit excuse. But, like, she's trying to be like, okay, let's chill this out. But Maud insults her, which makes Amanda mock God. And Maud slaps the shit out of her. Slaps the shit out of her. Smacks fire out her ass. Yeah, I feel like she makes her fucking nose bleed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, how you you smacking the shit out of this lady? She's trying to die. You might have smacked her to death almost. Goddamn. I know, like, some savior you are. <laughs> I know, you finna kill this bitch. Goddamn. <laughs> so, Maud gets kicked out of Amanda's and moves into another disgusting apartment. Like, Even everywhere worse. that Maud lives is disgusting. And it seems like she likes it that way. I feel like she is punishing herself. Like, she doesn't think she deserves it. It's the Christian way to live in poverty when you're devoted to God. So she wants to live like crap. Because being a Christian and, and all that shit, 
the driving focus and how a lot of people, because I've been studying cults a lot, um, like more than I usually do. And the driving force is sacrifice. Like, especially in Christianity, Catholicism, all that shit, like to be a devout follower is all, all about sacrifice. You have to give up your comfort, your luxuries, all this shit in order to prove to God that you are like, you know, a devout follower. And that's how a lot of pastors and preachers and all the motherfuckers begin taking advantage of people and getting all their money and getting rich and shit is because their church is full of people who are like bound on sacrifice mm-hmm. and, and mod things living shitty and, and misery and, and suffering is just like the more suffering the closer to god she is yeah and when she's in bed at her new humble abode to put it lightly she sees a beetle on the ceiling and now it's like, uh, okay, this girl actually thinks that this beetle is a sign from God uh-huh. because she sees the beetle and immediately starts talking to God, telling him how she's in pain and she doesn't understand his plan for her and how she feels like she has no purpose now because he's abandoned her because she's unemployable and unoccupied she says like she just needs to be busy mm-hmm. i feel like she would be like idle hands are the devil's workshop like she would say <laughs> yeah that bullshit yeah for mm-hmm. sure for sure and she, she starts questioning god because she didn't get what she wants and feels like he's spiting her and that's how you know like we said before that she is an egomaniac this is all about her this is not about amanda totally centered herself yeah she just wants to feel good and doesn't really care if there's not a reward for it Mm -hmm. like she is seeking the validation and helping amanda is just the means to her being praised by god yeah don't give a fuck so and then she starts to pick at the burn on her hand everything she does is disgusting truly and she decides like oh i'm just gonna put a gauze on this and go out to the club (laughs) so (laughs) i know she was like i'm still gonna pop my pussy tonight i need to get out of the house who cares (laughs) Yeah, she puts makeup on for the first time, and you're like, ooh, this is a new mod. Yeah, she is dolled up with these neutrals and these <laughs> these uh, no-makeup makeup looks. Yeah, and then she goes to a bar, gets a beer, makes eye contact with a guy immediately, jerks him off in the back, completely detached, looking the whole time, and just walks away, and then he leaves. Yeah, out of body, out of mind. And then you could see, like, her social anxiety and maybe, like, her borderline personality disorder popping out here because she tries to like blend in with the group of people sitting next to her yeah she tries to like jump in their conversation as if she's been there with them yeah and she's like "Ah," and they're like you don't even know what we're laughing at why who are you you know they just completely ignore her yeah once again inserting herself in some shit that she has nothing to do with yeah, she thinks she's, like, doing good, but really, she just wants validation from other people. She wants them Attention, to like yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't understand social interaction. Yeah, most of the people she's trying to get with, they, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> Who is this weird bitch? Move. Yeah, with, with this giant wound on her hand. Yeah. Like, what is she doing? Like, you need to go to the ER. <laughs> right. Like, are you the bartender? Are you to help? Is she to help? Who is she? Yeah, this matronly looking ass bitch. Anyways. (laughs) Maud gets wasted and goes into the bathroom and calls Joy. 
And you could just tell that like all the hedonism and all the, as she, as someone says earlier, frivolity has become too much for her. And Joy seems to not be able to make it. So she goes back to her table and just looks at her beer and there's like a whirlpool in it. And she starts to freak out and she knocks into a guy and spills his beer on him. And he's like, you owe me a drink. And immediately it cuts to them fucking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like this big burly, like, didn't, didn't he? Wasn't, wasn't he like kind of a ginger? I don't remember. He was just, he reminded me of Bevers from Broad City. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just That's like, a perfect description. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. You're right. Just that annoying, big, bearded white guy who's just like, Unfortunately for him, he probably feels like he has to be the funny guy because he's like overweight. Big, but like, yeah. he uses his weight as a way to disarm pretty women, and then and he's I feel like, against them later. Yeah. Uh huh. And as she's fucking this guy, she starts to have flashbacks of the patient from the first scene, trying to resuscitate them, and she imagines her hands going through this guy's chest and killing him. And like basically breaking his sternum. And you're like, is that what she did? Did she try to resuscitate this patient so bad after they probably died or stopped breathing that she like pushed through their sternum? Yeah. Ooh, that's brutal. Ooh, that's brutal. And you're like, okay, that's why Joy was surprised that she was still (laughs) doing patient care. Damn, bitch, they let you do that? That's why you got to change your motherfucking name. Cause you gotta be on, you gotta do this low now. Like, what the fuck? She's doing that fucking that Indiana Jones shit. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that was dark. Ripping people's hearts out. Yeah. yeah. But she gets up and basically the guy just rapes her. Yeah. That's, she like he no goes to have sex with her. No, she says no, but he starts doing it anyway, and she just Lays goes there. limp and. Yeah. She just looks dead at this point. Like, just, you know, it's the often thing where your body just fails, you know, and it just shuts down and you can't really move. And on top of that, he is much bigger than her, too. Yeah, he was very big and she's tiny. Mm -hmm. I think she was just disassociating. It's like your way, your brain's way of protecting you from all of this. Fully remembering the trauma. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucked up. And that's why, like, once you see this, you're like, even though she's crazy and a lot of stuff has gone on that's, like, inexcusable, you know, that she's done, you're like, what has led her? Well, what led her to the career that led her to the religion that led her to this? Like, you know, this is a chain reaction of a woman being just treated like absolute crap and Mm. maybe, you know, not fully understood by society. And then it comes to the point of this. Mm -hmm. And we don't exactly know what that is, but... It does seem like she's just damaged and not evil. Well, and too, because right after he finishes, like, harming her, he points out that he knows who she is and he remembers her from a while ago from who she used to be. Yeah, he's like, I think my friend and you, like, hooked up, had it off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's, like, more telling of, like, okay, she does have a past. Because obviously Mm -hmm. this isn't her first round at the rodeo. I mean, we could tell how she was navigating going out in general, you know, that like Mm -hmm. she is not new to a lot of this, you know. But as she leaves and goes like back to her place, we get like probably the coolest shot in the movie. It's like this claustrophobic shot of her in the alley, but the negative space around the alley makes it look like 
you know, the alley is the only part of the frame and it's rotating. It's really claustrophobic. It just makes it feel like she's spiraling out of control. Like she's already not sane at this point. Like she is, she has been triggered many times over, but yeah, you're like, this cinematography is hinting that she's going full tilt. So when she gets home, she pleads to God to not let her fall. She's telling him that she changed everything in her life and doesn't get why this is still happening to her. And then she like barfs and rise on the ground. And she looks up again and sees a beetle. And then she starts to levitate. Yeah, like, <laughs> do we ever find out what the meaning of the beetle is, though? They don't really say it, but I feel like she's so desperate for God when she's in these low moments that she sees something, she sees God in something as common as a beetle on a ceiling. Because every time she sees the beetle, she's looking up at it. Oh, okay. I think she's so fucked like in hung, her mind. Like hung up on just finding any sign, no matter mm-hmm. what it is. She's looking for a sign. She's ace of base. She saw the <laughs> sign. And it is a beetle. It is a beetle god. You see that many damn beetles? I'm thinking Terminex. Like, I'm not trying to... <laughs> I'm not seeing God. I'm seeing Terminex. And I'm calling somebody about that. Cause... I'm like, you need to get some raid. Yeah, on. what the fuck? Dirty ass bitch. <laughs> But yeah, no, I think that like in her twisted mind right now, wherever her brain has gone, like the religion has usurped whatever brain cells that she had working left. And it's just tricking her. It's like, no, you keep seeing these beetles. Of course, this is God. But it's like, no, it's a beetle. It's wet in here. That's when they show up. You know, this is just normal. And I know, and I'm sure the beetle is fucking looking down at her and he's probably like, just like, <laughs> Did you hear that? I'm like, God yeah. damn, you dirty bitch, you dirty bitch, you dirty bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Beetle. The Beetle's like, I am not God, go away. Yeah, what like, the fuck? I just want to like, go eat some morsels and go to sleep. Clean the fuck up. <laughs> Get a job. Because <laughs> she's jobless and crazy. It's just pathetic. If this wasn't a dingy shithole, I wouldn't be in here. Right. <laughs> like, but... The next morning, she basically says that she had a revelation and just in time. And we're like, oh, shit. What is she going to do? But also, yeah, I think the beetle was her trigger. Beetle God. So, oh, this is hard to watch because she takes pictures of the Blessed Mother. Or maybe it's Mary Magdalene. It looks like the Blessed Mother to me. She puts nails through them and then she puts them in the heel of her sneaker and then goes to walk around town. So with every step, she is getting a foot full of fucking nails. And it's like, she is full-blown, like, oh, martyr now. Like, yeah. she is Completely. she is Jesus carrying the cross across the, the plane, getting whipped by everybody. Like, but she's, like, crucifying herself. And it's really fucking, mm-hmm. again, it's super egomaniac. Like, you are so obsessed with yourself. And, like, you be, find the salvation for you and you only. Initially, you were trying to pull other people into it, but now it's very self-centered. Yeah. And on her walk, she sees Amanda on the boardwalk with her new caregiver. And you could tell that she is shook. Pissed, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she has another one of her monologues where she's like, I should have expected resistance. And I'm assuming she's talking about in saving Amanda's soul. And she's like, Amanda called to me and that's no small thing. Never waste your pain, which she like repeats a couple times. And I'm like, 
So she really does think that like by harming herself and using it to justify this like religious crusade that it will mean something if she succeeds and saves Amanda's soul. So we're like, ah, oh, shit. I mean, Amanda's going to die anyway, but she was just going to like fade into the ether. Now, what the fuck? How is she going to go out now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. So I guess Maud like follows Amanda's new nurse and she sees her on the boardwalk and tells her how much she respects people in the medical profession. I'm like, you are so self-absorbed, Maud, because she's a nurse too. Of course she's complimenting nurses. That's like me, because I fucking work at a barber shop and me being like, I just respect all hairstylists. I think they're so incredible and like everything about them is fa- phenomenal. Go them. Go stylists. <laughs> Be like, bitch, that is the most biased shit I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. I think all podcasters so are incredible and hilarious people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I concur. <laughs> So we find out her name is Esther. All these biblical names, dude. Oh, that's true. Esther. Yeah. Maud gets out of her what it's like taking care of Amanda, even though Esther can't say much. And just like basically she tells Maud that her newest patient isn't going to be around much longer. But one Esther, as she litters, she crumbles up the wrapper from whatever she was eating and throws it on the ground. That's and she says that's so how much. the cookie crumbles. I was like, you littering asshole. Like, fuck you, Esther. Dirty bitch, you dirty bitch, you dirty bitch. <laughs> if you're on a boardwalk, you know that there's a fucking garbage can somewhere there. This is why the turtles end up with little fucking plastic soda can necklaces and shit. This is why the fucking polar bears is dying. Like, you're a fucking dirty bitch. <laughs> <laughs> there's no other way to put it. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. I hope Ma gets yeah. you. And what's up with all these young bitches with old bitch names? Carol, Maud, <laughs> Esther. Amanda is like 103 and has like the youngest name out of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> we working backwards. She's 49. She just looks 103 because of her fashion turbans and her moo moo. Yeah, but she needs <laughs> to switch names with Esther. God damn. But after Esther says that's how the cookie crumbles, Ma just gets up and leaves. She's like, fuck Pissed. you. Yeah. That cookie is not crumbling. I'm going to kill her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically. So at night, Maud sees another fucking beetle crawl out of the sink. Again, even though it's not on the ceiling, it's still like kind of on an upward angle from laying de- her laying down on the bed. I'm yeah. like, oh shit. And after she sees the beetle crawl out of the sink and like crawl away, she sees a ripple. And I'm like, did beetle God just emerge <laughs> from the garbage disposal? Oh, instead of being up high, it's like down low now. So it's rising up. Oh, you know what? I didn't even think that. But like, it looks like he came out of the sink. So maybe he came out of the garbage disposal. She is seeing godlike figures coming out of weird places. Uh-huh. But yeah, now it's coming out of the sink. So yeah, you're right. I think that it's actually, it's not God. Yeah. It's Satan. Yeah, it could be. or Because I feel like that's how Mod could interpret it. Like this whole time I'm thinking... You know, I'm getting all this shit from God and really it was like Satan trying to get into my mind and confuse me or blah, 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 because things are no longer going her way. So obviously it's the devil because that's what all Christians say when things don't go their way. Satan's trying to get me. Satan's trying to take over. Satan, Satan, Satan. And it's like, no, maybe you're just a really shitty person and you have to be held accountable for your actions. It has nothing to do with heaven or hell. It has all to do with Mm -hmm. you being just like a terrible person who is not accountable. Mm -hmm. But no, to her, it is beetle God. Because it starts talking to her and says that the hour is near and that Maud has always known that life is just a game 
and that he's proud of how far she's come. And I'm like, if God is proud of Maud, then God ain't real. That is the clearest proof I've ever seen. And he tells her to take on this last test and that after she does it, they will be together truly. And she asks, like, how will I know what to do? And he says, you've always known what to do. And it's just really unsettling. It's like the way that Black Phillip talks in The Witch. Yeah, that's exactly who I thought about as soon as I heard it. It was like that weird, like, not British voice, but still, like, proper and fucking creepy and enticing. Mm -hmm. Hypnotic. Yeah, there's like, yeah, yeah, there is a hypnotic quality to it. It's very... Just calming, Alluring. but like a, like mm-hmm. calming, but demanding. And terrifying. There's just something like... Eerie. Yeah, there's something eerie about it. But then Maud wraps her bedsheet around her like she's a fucking monk. And <laughs> prays and blesses some water. And then Joy shows up after she has disrobed. And Maud is like eyeing a bottle of acetone. And this whole time Joy is there, I'm just like, oh my god. What is Maude going to do to her? I thought so, too. I was like, oh, is she going to kill this bitch? Like, it very much was... Because mm-hmm. she... I don't know. She was being so weird to her. Her energy was so off. Mm-hmm. And Joy was, like, trying to be nice. She was trying to be like, oh, the apartment. Look how wonderful it is. And they're like, this is, like, piss-colored walls, like, dingy, dirty, with a few Jesus pictures. This is a dump. You can tell her... Like, this is a shithole. have never seen any sort of cleaning product ever. Like, I don't even know if she's ever sprayed a thing of Febreze in there. Like, just a little mist. No, this is like decades of neglect. Yeah. That's what this apartment <laughs> looks like. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, Joy kind of apologizes to Katie and says that she was like a good oh, yeah. nurse and that whatever happened wasn't her fault and that all the other nurses should have been there for her when they saw her struggling. So, like, Maud is just not really absorbing this she's not taking in that someone who was present for a traumatic time in her life is like apologizing and connecting with her she is just hell-bent on this shit because she is looking at the sunlight coming through the window and acting like it's god shining upon her face mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so she goes over and kisses joy and says may the lord breast rest you may oh, the lord titties. may the Hey, may the Lord touch your teats. No, may the Lord bless you and bring you joy. And she basically just opens the door for Joy to leave. And I was like, it's just like a sigh of relief because you're like, oh, God, Joy is going to get an acetone bottle cracked over her head. Or what is that going to happen to her? Right. But after Joy leaves, Maude puts her monk toga back on and (laughs) takes the holy water and acetone and heads to Amanda's. And you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) Big yikes. So she spies on Esther, waits for her to leave, and sneaks in with the always reliable under the mat key. Collectively. Yeah. Everyone, stop doing that. If someone is going to rob your house, the first place they're going to look for the key is under the mat, and the second is in the pot. And then third is the mailbox. Stop leaving the key in very obvious places. All them damn pots, the mat, the mailbox, the the ledge. The, like, the molding on top of the door. Yeah, like, no, the fucking stop pipe Stop leaving thing. it there. Yeah, none of that shit, bitch. You need to bury it and leave coordinates. Yeah, <laughs> no, for real, for real. Or just link up with the person and hand the, key, hand the key off, okay? Yeah, just don't leave it somewhere within two feet of the front door, you jackass. Stop being weird and dumb. But yeah, she, sne- she sneaks into Amanda's Cribbington um, after plotting and... 
she finds Amanda in bed, and Amanda looks bad right now. Like, she looks really sick. No turban. Yeah, she just looks really sick, and, like, she will die at any moment. Like, she's literally on her deathbed. And uh, she, like, lures Maud in by, like, asking for forgiveness and praying on the Jesus talk, you know, and, like, kind of alluding to Maude that, like, okay, I give in. You know what I mean? Like, I need to be forgiven. I'm about to die. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, because she's like, you made me think of things I didn't want to. She makes it sound like you were showing me the light and I didn't want to hear it. I'm sorry I was unkind to you. Yeah, she's, like, trying to get forgiveness for mocking her, essentially. You know what I mean? Like, for Mm -hmm. for playing with her and, like, fucking with her head. And that quickly turns left. <laughs> well, because like Maud caresses her face and says that God sent her and like baptizes her with holy water. Like she like does the, the sign of the cross on her head with holy water. And Amanda's like, oh, no, I didn't say it for this. She's like, none of this fucking nonsense. Yeah, enough, bitch, enough. I'm telling you, like, I was a mean person to you and I'm owning up to being the mean person. I'm not owning up to being like, oh, now I see God and, like, I believe in God. It's like, no, I'm mm-hmm. separate the two, bitch. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, Maude is just, she's got a one-track mind now and she can't see anything else but this goal and she is going to get it because she tries to do it again. She tries again to, like, bless her. Well, because I was going to say, Amanda just flat out at one point is like, I, God's not real. Like, this is dumb. You're stupid. Yeah. None of this is fucking real. And Yeah, she's like, Maude you must be the like loneliest that. girl I've ever seen. And she says that she was faking it in the living room the other day that when like they felt God together and I'm like, Ooh, Ooh. you could just see Maude is starting to quiver and we're like, Oh, she's feeling God. But like, we know what the goal is this time, but it's also like Amanda was talking about like faking an orgasm almost because Maude in her God mode, when she's tingling, it's like an orgasm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ooh, the lesbian vibes again. The layers right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, I faked it with you. And Maude is like, not accepting her sexuality. She's like, <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Maude is shook it. It's like so many layers of a fake orgasm. I faked this religious bullshit. I faked this connection to you. Mm-hmm. That hurts because mm-hmm. Maude took all of this so fucking seriously. Like, die yeah, hard. Where we are right now. Yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> so to be told like none of this was real she's like oh fuck no it's not like mm-hmm. and, and and we get the climax yeah amanda's last words you have no idea how dull it is to be dying it's just you and me here nothing you do matters and then she cackles and then Maud imagines that she's the devil mm-hmm. and amanda as the devil kicks Maud off and then the devil through Amanda says that she's as weak as her faith. Mm-hmm. And that's when Maud goes and just hacks her the fuck up with uh-huh. a pair of medical scissors. And she starts walking away from the house in her monk robe made out of sheets, <laughs> bloody as fuck. You could tell that she's levitating as mm-hmm. she walks away. Because she's like high on this, this power. Yeah. yeah, she's fulfilled her purpose and she is like high on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's really disturbing. And this whole thing is so well acted to Jennifer L. and Morfid Clark. I, th- I think I'm pronouncing everybody's names wrong. I think it's like Jennifer, whatever. The people in this movie did a great job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And then, ugh. so the next morning in her hovel, Maud has her wings now. And they're these, I mean, she at least imagined so. She has these beautiful glittery wings and she goes to the beach in her full uh, like drag, her holy drag. In her martyr drag. <laughs> and she gets to the beach and she sees like a big old cyclone vortex in the clouds, just like she did in her beer. And she starts to like, I guess, sing a hymn or something. Some mm-hmm. Jesus song. Mm-hmm. While she's carrying like all these jug, these two jugs and shit. Mm-hmm. And she douses herself in the acetone and self-immolates right on the beach and yep. burns like a motherfucker. And as she's burning, all the onlookers are like kneeling in awe, or that's what she imagines they're doing. Though we can hear that they're the like screaming, like, oh my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we could hear that that is not what's actually happening, but she sees them kneeling down as her like wings grow. Mm-hmm. And then we get the last shot of Maud's reality like a fraction of a second of her burning to death, screaming in agony and mm-hmm. cut to black. And done. And that was the end of the movie. It was probably the best part of the movie to me when I first saw that part really like just fucking shook me when I first saw the movie. I was like, Oh fuck. Cause you don't, you know, but you don't know. Cause you're thinking maybe she's going to do it mm-hmm. to somebody else or maybe like, mm-hmm. She's going to go into the water and drown. You don't ever really. Oh, I thought maybe she would go find Esther, you know, who comes over there and has lunch and litters. Yeah. Like she was going to go after more people or something. But then it's like, no, no, no. Her purpose was to save Amanda in some way. And killing mm-hmm. her, a.k.a. releasing her from those demonic spirits was like the release. And that was her fulfilling mm-hmm. her purpose. So now, like, my mission's complete. Time to kill myself, yeah. you know? But it's so ironic considering maybe I'm high and thinking too deep into this and you can maybe, you know, help me get my mind on track with this. But isn't suicide a sin? Yes. So how does that (laughs) work with self-sacrifice? You know what? I don't know the Bible that well. I'm thinking maybe it's because she's self-immolating. I think the implication when you call it self-immolating is... You're not just setting yourself on fire. It's for like a divine purpose, maybe. Okay. So okay. maybe there's a maybe there's a clause in the Bible that, you know, <laughs> setting yourself on fire, you go to hell. If you immolate, though, you go to heaven. Yeah, you have to but read the, clearly, the fine you print don't. under the fine print. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not sure if Rose Glass is fully saying that God is not real here, but I feel like she's saying even if God is real... If you set yourself on fire to appease him, before you get to the paradise you think you're going to, you're still going to burn to fucking death. And it's still going to hurt. There's no wings. There's no glory. Everyone Mm. praising you for doing this. You're going to burn the fuck up. Yeah, no, And if you believe in the void or if you believe in God, you're not even going to (laughs) know. So That's true. No, that's true. I guess I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, I was just like, how does this work, though, for her narrative? Because don't you die for or don't you go to hell for suicide? So it's like you did all that in vain. Maybe because she's also a sinner herself. Like she just even though she fulfilled her purpose, it seems like even beyond her newer relationship to God, she feels so guilty that she doesn't feel like she deserves life. Maybe because she's Uh, gay. Oh, yeah, that's true. Maybe because she was a hedonistic 
bar going quote unquote whore before she became a nurse maybe, or while she was a nurse the first time. Like it feels like she has this God narrative, but it seems like there's still a bigger narrative because she even questioned God a bunch of times. Like Mm -hmm. her ego is so big that I feel like she's like, I'm going to go beyond. And in the grand scheme of things, I need to go too. like, I'm not really sure if like like the guilt outweighs the saviorness of it all. Because Amanda's already gone now. So it's like, I fulfilled my purpose with God. We're good. Now I have to sacrifice myself as well. Or maybe she wasn't even doing that. She really just thought that like she was going to go see God. And it's a commentary on her ego in that way where she was like, well, I did this amazing thing. So therefore, if I set myself on fire, of course I won't burn. Mm -hmm. I killed a lesbian. I did the Lord's work by getting rid of a filthy homosexual. So I'm going to now just be accepted right into heaven. And nope, that didn't happen for you, Maud. Yeah, no, you just died on the beach. Mm Mm-hmm. With a bunch of people screaming and looking. In ugly clothes. Don't let me die in ugly outfits. That's why I'm so self-conscious about every outfit I wear, no matter if I'm going to bed, if I'm going to the store. Like, I don't want to die ugly. It's important. I don't know. Like, you're always going to shit your pants when you die. Like, do you want to die ugly too? That's terrible. Unless you just happen to shit right before you die, which, like, what great luck that would be. Then, yeah, you're going to be covered in doo-doo and, and bad clothing. <laughs> fuck, choose a struggle. <laughs> or I hope that, that you too much. fucking burn to a crisp so nobody has to find them ugly-ass clothes. Lord, please, if I'm dressed ugly, let me die in a fire. <laughs> Wait, hey. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the end, Maude did it right because at least she burned that ugly-ass robe. Nobody's going to see that shit. God damn. No evidence of her terrible fashion choice. No face, no case. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, y'all, that was St. Maud. It's such a good movie. It's A24. Mm-hmm. They're really good for their like indie movies, but I like them more so for horror because all of their horror movies for the most part have been like a couple, a lot of my faves, like Hereditary, the Witch, The Lighthouse. Yeah, The Witch. Yeah, all that stuff. They have some weird movies like The Lobster. Oh, yeah. And then they have like The Florida Project, which is like probably really good to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, The Florida Project is very well liked, I would think. Mm-hmm. It was nominated for Oscars. Mm-hmm. It was good. It's not an easy watch, but it is a good one. And it's layered. This one's deep and dark and heavy. Or I would say... It is in kind of the lane of the witch as far as like creepy undertones and it it makes you feel weird Mm -hmm. when you watch it. (laughs) Yeah. If you have any religious trauma, especially Christian religious trauma, it might be a little triggering. So yeah, you already went through the whole movie. Like, you know, you've probably already looked it up at this point if you got here, but Mm -hmm. it is super well acted. It is super well shot and directed. And written, like, Rose Glass did a fantastic job. This was her first feature. Oh, wow, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah, no, she did a really great job with this. Um, It was really, like, stunning visually. Um, Strong story. Yeah, I was fully invested in this movie. Like I told you, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I have to tell somebody about this. This is so good. Because mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it moves you. It's, it's emotional. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, with the female martyr at the center of the film and, like, the lesbian undertones and, you know, the lesbian characters and the parallels with Mary Magdalene because of the, you know, the prostitution 
it feels like it's a commentary on the patriarchal nature of religion. For Women sure. Women are always oppressed in religious structures. For sure. Or at least in Western religious structures like this one. Yeah, for sure. Because, and I feel like this could be said for the role of the women in of women in general. Like we have so many roles that we're pressured into performing and and playing into and doing, but like get none of the credit and we get mistreated so much. And like, oh god, in religion, it's really bad because we're supposed to be like the matriarchs and we keep the home together and we're supposed to instill all these values and you know raise families and and men don't have to as much men can cheat and do wrong and and they're fucking forgiven but a woman cheats and she's like excommunicated from the fucking church like women aren't allowed to initiate Mm -hmm. divorce if they're cheated on by their husbands and right you know like that kind of shit so it's like women have like all the shit to to uphold and live up to it's kind of shocking that more women haven't cracked, you know, like. Maud was clearly warped by the religion and it kind of turned her against women, it feels like, because yeah. the guy that raped her, she didn't kill him. He needed to be saved. That person really needed to be saved. But Amanda is a lesbian. She engages in prostitution. She loves to drink. She's childless. She smoked, yeah. She's not married. She smokes even though she has cancer. Like, it is just everything that a religious person would look down upon. And mm-hmm. Maud is so strict with it that, like, she becomes the epitome of hedonism. Yeah, sexual abuse gets overlooked because a lot of the time when it's with man, mm-hmm. men especially, it's like, well, he's a man. Men have needs and they can't help it. And they just need, they just need help. They need a release. But, like, a woman can't, yeah. like, engage in sex with another woman without her just being completely, like, fucking villainized or vilified, you know? Yeah, in the Bible, there's cases where rape is not only permissible, but is like the suggested punishment. Yeah, a thousand percent. Don't ask me what they are, but I have heard. (laughs) (laughs) Do your Googles, people. Don't ask us to quote the Bible. Fuck out of here. Wrong show, bitches. Yeah, we've already been traumatized by the Bible enough. Thank you. Enough. We are good over here. But yeah, y'all check out St. Maud for this movie. I think... If you don't have religious trauma, then an indica. If you do have religious trauma, maybe wait to smoke weed after the movie. (laughs) Maybe a sativa (laughs) while you watch and an indica to help you cope. You know, like maybe a little column A, column B. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because this movie is short and it moves very quickly. But thematically, it's dense, especially if you can relate to it. Like if you're queer, if you have Christian guilt specifically and, Mm -hmm. you know, trauma. If you're a woman, even more so, and if you're a rape survivor, there's just a lot of ways to relate to this movie. Yes. Even if like, like, you know, conversion therapy victims, you know, Mm -hmm. people who are survivors of that shit. Because I feel like a little bit of that can be sprinkled into this if you think about it. Just like forcing an idea on Mm -hmm. somebody like you need to be saved from this lifestyle. You need to change. You need to. Otherwise, you're going to die and go to hell and suffer for the rest of your life. And it's like you're already suffering in this life. And I would be suffering. I would be suffering in this life if I lied about who I was to conform to a society that thinks I need Mm -hmm. to fall victim to christianity maybe i'm being too deep but that's how i feel she wrestles with it but i feel like at the end of the day before maud kills her amanda's saying like i'd rather just slip into the void than be untrue to myself and say i accept god to fall in line with the beliefs from a society that 
doesn't think I'm a valid human because I'm a lesbian. Mm-hmm. She's like, no. I think she teeters with it because she's scared. But at the end, she's like, no, Ma, this isn't what I want. Like, Yeah, I'd rather just shit. die a sinner than fucking live as a liar, you know? Mm-hmm. She's like, you know what? I never believed in this shit anyway. I'm going to go out not believing in it because if I don't believe, I don't have to atone for my sins. Because it's more fake to try to grasp onto it right before you die. Because I feel like that's the other thing, too. Say this God person is real. Like, I feel like he would call you on that cap ass shit. Like, you're being mad fake, bitch. You didn't acknowledge me your whole fucking life. And now you waited till you're about to die to right, acknowledge yeah. me. Get the fuck out of my house. Mm-hmm. That's almost a more honest version of being you know, a believer, non-believer, whatever the fuck. I feel like if there was a mm-hmm. God, that is kind of exactly how it should be, is just be true to yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And whatever you believe in, like, that's what you believe in. Or if you don't believe in anything at all, that's cool too. I just think, like, this fucking egomaniac, and this is a lot of Christians, like, mostly higher up in the church, like church leaders mm-hmm. and stuff. They get a tendency, especially church leaders, because they do have a ranking that's high in the church. So they take that as like main character syndrome and run with it really far and then force Mm -hmm. other people to like be down with that. And it's really fucked up because they just end up going on a power trip and taking people's money and taking advantage of people's vulnerability because it's always Mm -hmm. the lost and the broken people, you know, because those are the easiest to sway. Yeah. And that's why Maude fell into it. She... She was wrapped with guilt. Society told her this is probably the proper path. And, you know, she saw a beetle and was so vulnerable that it became God. Yeah, no. You know, and like- <laughs> she like tra- she tried to transfer what she experienced with her trauma into Amanda, who she assumed was just as broken as she was. And it's like, right. that's not how that always goes. Like some quote unquote broken people are perfectly happy with the pieces that they have remaining. You know what I mean? I'm not all the way put together, but I'm happy with what I got. And I'm okay with these mm-hmm. pieces of myself. Yeah, she's just facing death. It's going to be tough for anybody. It's not tough on her because she's a lesbian who drinks. And that's what Maud sees. She's going to have the privilege of somebody who just randomly dies. You know, like she knows death is coming. Mm-hmm. And Maud is like banking on that because she's like, well, we have a timeline. You mm-hmm. know, she sees death as her timeline to like exploit her own little Jesus complex, which is very annoying. Yeah, because she's like, this isn't going to last long, so I'm going to get my satisfaction and my salvation pretty fast. Mm-hmm, hmm Her ego is huge. Yeah. So, yeah, y'all, I think a little bit of column A, column B, indica, sativa, hybrid, whatever the fuck, but definitely get some get some weed in your system when you're watching this because it's a heavy one, but it's good. Yeah, smoke whatever. I think this one is so powerful, it's going to wallop you no matter what. So if you want to be numbed even more, have an indica. If you just need to be a little stoned, sativa. It don't matter. (laughs) This movie transcends weed boundaries. (laughs) Yeah, no, it does. So we do have a listener question today. And it is, what final girl do we most identify with? So my choice is I may be slightly out of the box only because it's not like a traditional slasher, but I have to go with Ellen Ripley in Alien, played by Sigourney Weaver. Okay. And there's a non-binariness to that character, like a genderlessness that kind of speaks to me. And I feel like she's also smart, practical, but like sometimes maybe gets labeled as like the heavy. I can relate to that. You could tell that she's maybe not inherently like a rule follower, but she's trying to like do everything for the team. But 
maybe people see her as a control freak. And okay. I don't know. I kind of, I relate to that. <laughs> like, like, I, I just relate. feel like she's strong. Yeah. And I don't know. And she also has a cat that's really cute. I love Sigourney Weaver. So I'm, I support mm-hmm. that answer. I need to rewatch Alien. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. But I don't really like so um, sci fi mm-hmm. alien movies in general. It's never really been my thing. Fuck you to the fourth kind. Fuck you to the movie Signs. Oh my god, the Signs is terrible. The fourth kind no, is don't so even, stupid. I was gonna say, don't even try to credit that movie a little bit. Don't even do it. But good, you're like this movie. The only stupid. thing I can think of is, hi, I'm Doctor Abigail Emily Tyler. <laughs> it's so annoying. Okay, we're moving on from that shit. And then how the CGI in the faces was so goddamn bad. I was like, so somebody told me that movie scared them, and then I went and watched it, and I almost beat their ass because I was like, you made me. This is in the blockbuster days, and I was like, you made me um, spend my little three or four ninety nine on this bullshit. Fuck you. The reveal at the end is that she's in a wheelchair the whole time. It's not good. That's a reveal. Like what? That she rolls away from the interview <laughs> camera at the end instead of walks. That's what they, like, oh, God, it's so bad. It's so bad. But um, my final girl, this is a little bit obscure. Well, not obscure at all by any means. It just would not come to anybody's mind right away. But I'm choosing Brenda from Scary Movie specifically because <laughs> she is highly relatable to me. I feel like if I was in a horror movie situation, I would be Brenda. I would be equal parts goofy and equal parts rational and makes sense while all the while while dragging every white girl around me. All the <laughs> white people would get the business from me while simultaneously me like making fun of the monsters. A bag of bones? Would you be scared of Callista Flackheart? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um but yeah i think brenda was really funny she and then also like similar to brenda like you know dating a gay man and not even realizing it until like oh shit (laughs) (laughs) you know like (laughs) but wait doesn't brenda die in every movie though no she doesn't die she because how does she make it to the second one i think that's the joke yeah, she she totally gets stabbed to death in the first. You know what? I think she does survive Scary Movie too. Yeah, because they they all leave the house together. Yeah, because she does die in the first one. She gets stabbed to death in the movie theater, and then she dies in the third one with the ring shit. Yeah, but then she's back in the fourth one. Exactly, like she doesn't die. She's still a final girl. Okay, it counts. It counts because she keeps coming back. Yeah, see how you try to well actually me it comes to bite you in the ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm right, okay? Because I'm mostly focused on the second one too because she was kind of running shit in that one. You know, like she was she was kind of holding it down because mm-hmm. Cindy was a bumbling mess and fucking. Everyone kept calling her ugly the whole movie. (laughs) (laughs) And making fun of her small boobs. Says she had orangutan titties. Uh (laughs) 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 And Brenda never got any of that. (laughs) And um, when they tried to split up, like all the black people went went somewhere and the white people went somewhere. And a lot of them white people got picked off, whereas the black people, not so much. So shout out to Brenda. That's my final girl. That's a great duo. Ellen Ripley and Brenda. (laughs) movie together that would be incredible sigourney weaver can do comedy have you seen heartbreakers <laughs> oh i love that movie i actually love that movie i saw it in theaters with my it's mom so and, be, and i remember being like this is so good i want to be just like jennifer <laughs> <Love> hewitt <laughs> 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 but um 
Because as far as like finding girls that I could relate to, Brenda's really the only one. Because she she legitimately had like a real sense of humor. She was just like she had like so much personality, and, and I think Regina Hall like brought so much to that character. As far as she like really the depth of the comedy and stuff. I don't know. I've never really been able to see myself in other finer girls, even like Brandy. And I still know what you did last summer and Jada Pinkett and stuff. Mm. So, yeah, that was St. Maud, y'all. Mm-hmm. Everyone watch it, but also listen to the the Maud theme song first. You're like, and then there's St. Maud. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I encourage everyone to go down a deep rabbit hole of like spinoff shows because you'll be surprised of what shows mm-hmm. are spinoffs of other spinoffs and because back in the 80s and early 90s, TV producers love to do that shit for some reason. They're like, you know what? This show did really great. Let's make seven more of them with characters who made like no impact whatsoever. But that was like the thing, though, in the 90s is like, here's a janitor from this show mm-hmm. that had a main character. But fuck the main character. The janitor of this show is going to get a show. And then the teacher Mm -hmm. of this show is going to get a show. And they're going to live in the same universe and never cross paths until maybe like seven seasons in. (laughs) They was eating good off one show. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We could split this pie a hundred (laughs) ways. Live forever. But yeah. I've been 45 since I was nine. So I used to sit on my mama's chase couch. Um, it was like a crushed velvet chase lounge chair. And I would watch all my little shows. I'd be watching TV land until my eyes hurt. And mm-hmm. <laughs> catching up on the past. <laughs> I remember I had a red futon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would lay on that and watch all the Nick at Night. Yep. And then like <laughs> fucking go back to school the next day trying to tell my friends about all in the family. And they're like, uh, we just watched Snick. <laughs> We go to bed. Yeah. We go to bed when the Munsters comes on. Like, fuck, y'all don't How be knowing dare you. nothing. That's the best. Yeah, because I'm, yeah. I'm sitting up in class fucking referencing JJ. You're <laughs> good times. <laughs> and don't nobody know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm like, this is whack. Anyways, nobody cares now. Nobody cared then. Nobody cares now. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's all. I don't have anything else to say. So. No. Yeah. Watch St. Maud. Gotta say it like a New Yorker. Saint Maud. Saint Maud. Go eat a bagel and watch Saint Maud. Mm-hmm. I can't not say it that way. It's just like it's one of you. those names that it catches my New York accent. Like the word audiology. Mm-hmm. Audi. I can't not say or, audi, audiology. It just comes out that way. I can't say it another way. There's certain words every once in a while that my Minnesota accent will try to rear its ugly head out of, but I only do it intentionally now just to be like jokey <laughs> joke, but I haven't pronounced an a outrageous because i used to hate saying my full name my last name is jack and jack J- nikki jack jack nikki jack, jack. <laughs> i can see it i'm from minnesota i love i love watching soccer and hockey games oh exotic all my friends play lacrosse i'm going to the lacrosse game later i'm gonna make some some casserole for the kids when they get out of soccer practice Oh, do you need some sour cream? I have plenty at home. <laughs> Don't you know I do. You sound like <laughs> fucking... Did you ever watch um, Life with Louie? You sound like Louie's mom. <laughs> oh, I do. I'm Louie Anderson. Or, yeah, or, or Bobby's mom on Bobby's world. Bobby, get in the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. They're all, they're all going to kill us. They're like, what the fuck are these two talking about? <laughs> I know. You need to decrease the amount of weed you smoke on your show, guys. Sorry, not sorry. 
no, I'm not sorry because it's funny, right? If it isn't, you can, you can shut it off whatever the fuck you want. So yeah, we stay don't put a gun to your head and to listen stay to this. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, stay scared and stay high. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Queer Horror High. <laughs> Damn, that shit's good.